This is Connie. And this is Janice. And you're listening to But Where Are You Really From? on 89.1 FM WNYU. In our show, we'll discuss the issues facing Asian Americans as individuals who experience injustice but also perpetuate it. Welcome back to the show. We've missed you on our week-long hiatus. I don't really know. (laughs) So I know we promised that we'd do a part two of interfaith solidarity. But because of some scheduling that was kind of complicated, we aren't able to do that this week. But that'll be coming hopefully next week. So we're just, you know, going about our own business, living our lives. And then conveniently, we would just see headlines pop up. Yeah, the world gave us our topic. (laughs) Thanks, world. And so, I mean, maybe you've seen it too, but the Lucky Lee stuff, Gordon Ramsay's Lucky Cat. So it seems that there's just this resurgence of cultural appropriation in food, and we'll get into that later. We'll just flesh it out a little more. But that's what we want to talk about this week. Woo! And now for the fun fact. Yeah, boy. This week's fun fact will be a bit more like rapid fire answering questions on our part. We have prepped a bit of like this versus that or favorite this, least favorite that. And so we'll just be like trying to answer those as fast as we can. Okay, ready? Yeah. Number one, rice or noodles and why? For the rest of your life, you can only have one. I think... Uh, I think I'd say noodles <gasps> because like I just like the texture and there's like quite a wide variety too and I just feel like I'm better at finishing noodle dishes than rice dishes. Oh I could agree with you on that. <laughs> I've seen you eat for like the past three years. <laughs> okay you? I mean I could cheat the system either way I suppose. But no. I, okay. <laughs> because you can make noodles out of rice or you can have like orzo, which is technically pasta, or you could have um, couscous, which are like vaguely rice-like. Ugh, I mean, I feel like I'm going to have to go. Oh, gosh. Okay, I guess I'll just like dissent with you and I'll just pick rice. Well, just let me make my noodles out of rice. Oh, my God. That's you're cheating. Okay, That's but maybe okay. okay, maybe I would pick noodles. But it just makes me feel bad because rice is, like, healthy. Rice is life. It's so simple. It's just a grain. You don't have to do anything after that. You just, like, put it in water for 10 minutes. Yeah, that's true. Okay, next question. Favorite panchan? Panchan is just, like, a Korean side dish. My knowledge is pretty limited, I think. I've eaten it all before, but I'm not, like, oh, this specific. I feel like I don't know, like, the names of them or whatnot. Kimchi is, like has a special place in my heart. Okay, I really like the bean sprouts. Mm-hmm, Kongnamur? Yes, now I know what it's called. <laughs> I also really like, it's like potato and like beef or, yeah, I think beef. And it's like in a sweet sauce. Okay. I also like pickled radish. Is that a panchan? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I guess I like them all. What about you? I really like, they're like the seasoned fish cakes. They're like in rectangles. Mm. So that's called odeng. I really like the spicy one. And I think a 
another reason why I like it so much is because the taste is always so consistent. Like, it's really rare that a restaurant can, like, mess that up. Mm. And I really, like, man, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's, like, squid that is, I guess it's, like, pickled in, like, a spicy sauce. It's called ojingojot. You've, I think you've eaten it before. Okay. But yeah, I really yeah. like that. I grew up eating that. And, of course, keem, seaweed. Mm. Nice. I have another, like, this or that. Mm-hmm. Ramen or udon? Ramen. Oh, so fast. I don't know. I, udon's so, like, thick and nice. Yeah, but ramen is so good. Recently, all the ramen that I've been having is, like, too thin for my tastes. Oh, I like, like, thicker ramens. Yeah, like, I like thick noodles, too, but I don't know. I I feel, like, this random sense of loyalty to ramen. I don't know why. Interesting. Ramen or pho? Uh, you, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that That's way harder for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't know what I would pick either. Okay, and last one. Least favorite Asian food. It's going to have to be uh, bitter melon for me. My parents were always like, it'll grow on you. Like, once you're in like grown up you'll like it and I was like just wait every time I go home and I have it I'm like "Mm -mm." I've never had bitter melon before can you describe the taste that like repulses you so much it's so bitter and like nothing else it's like (laughs) that's the only flavor (laughs) that I like that I taste I think for me it's hard for me to say like what Asian food I don't like but I've always had like this weird thing against chicken feet and I know that's unfair because I've never had it and I've never really seen it in person until like more recently but I've always seen it on tv and I was always just like very like taken aback Mm. by how like Korean people would just like eat it as if it were fried chicken and like it was just like this like casual street food that everyone really likes I don't know I guess I'm just like weirded out by it I mean, like, I think that's valid. I mean, I'll see it and I'll be like, mm, looks kind of funny. But I mean, like, I'll eat it. I think it's really yummy. And it's just like something that you can just gnaw on. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it's good. Like, I don't doubt that. But I feel like I'll have to jump a mental hurdle when I do try it, which is hopefully soon. But I feel like that's a really good tie in because I think that that kind of experience of like seeing something that you don't know. And then just, like, kind of having this, like, automatic reaction to it where you're like, hmm, seems kind of weird, can lead to something that's, like, offensive or, like, hurtful. Like, it can lead to a belief. That, yeah. hmm And I think that kind of ties in well with the recent opening of Lucky Lee's and just, like, the philosophy that's surrounding that. So... Do you want to talk a little bit about? So yeah, when we were planning this episode, we kind of made a distinction between cultural appropriation and what we saw was wrong with the Lucky Lee situation. In our kind of like searching for a definition for cultural appropriation, I think the main thing about it is that it would be a case in which someone is taking a part of another culture, one that they don't like understand the complexity or like context of that thing and using it for profit without like respecting that culture so for lucky lee's it's not so much that 
it's like a white woman making Chinese food, which is like, I think, another thing in itself. I think what's hurtful about it is that there are these like stereotypes that are like a subtext for this restaurant opening the whole like mission of it or like its philosophy that is inherently hurtful. Right, because Lucky Lee's, what Ariel Haspel was saying is that she kind of wanted to create like a clean approach to eating Chinese food, but the implication was that Chinese food is unhealthy and that people who make Chinese food don't think about like health and that there's no care that went into those ingredients. It kind of goes back to something that I came across a while back of just how the belief that MSG is just horrible for you was just kind of concocted out of nowhere. There's like no scientific backing that actually says it's like very harmful to you. It's just like calling back upon those held beliefs that aren't true but have been used to oppress Asian culture. There's also like an association with more authentic like presentations of cultural cuisines in which like it's a hole in the wall. It's like this small little like dirty shack where you get like really cheap authentic food and then she's like look I'm like subverting this and I'm offering like this quote healthy option of the like a take on this food on like one part of like the cuisine in like this pristine way which I think further makes it seem like this healthful option is inherently superior to the actual cuisine, which is unhealthy. It's also just unfair to peg a whole culture's food as unhealthy based on maybe a few like exemplars of that food that happens to be unhealthy. Like that's an unfair assessment. And it's just like not true that Chinese people don't care about health when it comes to food and that mm. They don't care about the quality of their ingredients or that they don't know about organic food or gluten-free food. I don't know. There's like an assumed carelessness there that I think is harmful. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about this, but it's like pretty interesting that many examples of notable dishes in like different cuisines are like it's not like fine dining. You know what I mean? It's like you just had whatever ingredients you had and you kind of threw it together. And now this is like this special dish. I know like Korean food has like a few examples of that, but I like call to mind like gumbo and like stuff like that. With Gordon Ramsay's restaurant that <laughs> recently came I'm under fire. Sad. <laughs> for, you know, it's it was called Lucky Cat and it was billed as, quote, an authentic Asian eating house. Mm, but Asian. What was on the menu was more of just like a mixture of like Asian ingredients and Asian techniques, it seemed, to like create something that is overall new, like a new approach to Asian food. But it was said to be authentic. And so there's some tension there that seems like inaccurate and just like a poor representation of what they were trying to do. And mm. the reason why it really like came to light was because an Asian food critic from Eater, her name was Angela Hui, went to, I guess, I don't know what it's called, like a soft opening, I guess, or just like a time for like critics to come like experience the food or the dining or whatever. And she was like the only Asian critic there. 
and she just felt uncomfortable. It just felt like the situation, there was something missing. Yeah. And it also just calls him to question, like, what authenticity means. Because I guess for, like, Gordon Ramsay's case, like, the authenticity comes from the ingredients. But then also is it, like, oh, does the authenticity come from, like, the way it's prepared or, like, the dishes themselves? Because if we, like, compared the two, then maybe, like, Lucky Lee's would, like, be more authentic if it was, like, the dish stayed the same, like, a noodle dish. Because Gordon Ramsay is like, let me give you, like, a slice of beef with a flour on it. (laughs) It's just, like, weird. I'm just, like, hung up on this, like, Gordon Ramsay thing because... I know that he's, like, you know, had all these opportunities to travel all over the world and learn about all these, like, cultural cuisines, like, from the people who are, like, native to that area. Okay, I just think that authentic was, like, the wrong word to use because he is using, like, his knowledge and combining that with, I think, the training that he had from, like, whatever European school or whatever and, like, make that, like, quote, fine dining. It's not to say, like, this is superior to, like, actual Asian foods, But it's just, like, I think that there's, like, true, not malintended, like, knowledge that comes from that. And it just, like, I'm not sure how much authority I have to speak to the problematicness of that. Because I haven't had that opportunity. Right. Because I agree when you say that he has all this experience that I don't. Like, I've never even been to Asia. Mm. So... I wonder if, like, do I even know what, like, authentic Asian food would be? Like, I'm not sure. But I feel like situationally, there was something weird going on there. Yeah. And it was kind of like, like, I felt weirdly distant from, like, Chinese food or, like, the other Asian foods that I've kind of learned about through the years when I was, like, reading the list of all the, like, little dishes that they were giving out. Because I didn't recognize, like, many of the ingredients. And yet, those are, like authentic apparently yeah and i think it's also just calling back to the fact that asian american culture or like once a culture like kind of migrates out of the home country there's something that changes that's what we might be feeling Mm. like that disconnect but i think i don't know and like ownership with food is really difficult to get a grasp of because food is more like a way of life Food is so regional, and there are many different ways to come about different foods that, you know, combine different cultures and elements. Yeah, like, there's universal, like, every culture has, like, their bread. Like, every culture has, like, their dumpling. Yeah, like, stuff like that. That's, like, this is the, like, like, ravioli is the Chinese, the Italian version of a dumpling and stuff like that. Like, there are variations that exist in each culture. And so, I mean, you can be as technical as you want with it, of course. But I feel like, and also, like, new foods come out of not just appropriation, but also, like, colonization and oppression. Or even, like, diaspora. Because if someone is forced to leave their home country, they're most likely going to take their cuisine with them. Mm -hmm. and recreate it in whatever way possible Mm -hmm. and then it might just like naturally spread like that's how i think it was something like a lot of vietnamese food came out that way i could be wrong but there's just like banh mi yeah i think it was banh mi but yeah there's just 
like it's so complicated that I feel like it's so hard to be like oh yeah appropriating food is wrong but obviously there's like a really incorrect and disrespectful way to do it I think there's something deeper that goes into this hurt that we feel right and it like just calls back to a lot of the experiences that we've had maybe in childhood where we would have a food that other people would be like ew what is that and now we're like ah yes like we're gonna take these ingredients or take the concept and then make it the better version of it yeah into something marketable that people actually want Mm -hmm. and it's just hard because there obviously is a lot of hurt lodged into us as children yeah who have had those experiences and as children it's just like confusing and you don't know how to process that and oftentimes the response is to just push it away that being combined with like the sudden trendiness of it is like even weirder Mm -hmm. because it's not like i came to i like matured and now i want to like know more about like what I've inherited but it's kind of like I'm coming into that feeling on my own but at the same time it's becoming like exotic and trendy in the mainstream. I remember like I watched David Chang's show which kind of like opened my eyes about food in terms of like the creativity aspect of it which is often like incorporating multiple cultures. Mm. I remember he is kind of like really passionate about non-Asian, non-Korean people liking kimchi. Like, that's a very, like, simple way to put it, where he just wants to expose other people who might not be familiar with the culture to a food, and that can pave the way to eventual cultural acceptance. Mm. And I think there is a lot of value in that idea, because I feel like, in some respects, it is very effective to do that. But I also think that it's worth challenging that kind of mentality where you know you have to take a certain aspect of a culture to make it then acceptable like shouldn't it just kind of be acceptable no matter what it is yeah I mean I think it's acceptable and like valid to have that expectation that everything just should be acceptable like from the get-go and I shouldn't have to like explain things to you but yeah that's true like food is a very a really good place to start I think I mean I didn't I wasn't born with like the knowledge about other Asian foods Mm -hmm. like Korean food like Vietnamese food Japanese food like South Asian food like Indian food and I was very lucky to have friends from childhood kind of like take me through that experience like I remember the first time I had pho it was like my friend who's like Vietnamese American it was like her birthday dinner and we went and we had pho and I never had it before and I thought it was like I mean it's always like weird trying a new thing for the first time but I'm so lucky that I had that experience that I could grow up having that knowledge that I wouldn't have had at that time otherwise. And yeah. 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 I mean, speaking of, uh, I was telling Connie like a story before this. One of my friends who is white grew up in a place where Asian food, I guess, or there's just not a lot of access. Yeah. There's just not a lot of access to other cultures in terms of food. And so when she came to NYU and started to like finally explore different foods, she would bring that home to her parents. And I remember her telling me a story about how, you know, she taught her parents how to eat pho. Like they intentionally sought out a pho place that was like kind of near them and she showed them how to properly eat it which she learned from eating pho in New York with her friends who knew how to eat it Mm. and so there's definitely something so valuable in that transmission that can happen even if you're not of that race or whatever it's just like that knowledge is really valuable 
And I think that that exists outside of trend when it's just like I have a friend who like teach me about their culture. And now that I've been like, for example, like being been exposed to pho, then I can like transfer that information elsewhere rather than being like, oh, pho is like this like big trend. Let's like wait outside Saigon Shack for an hour because it's trendy. And then that would be like my way in. Mm. Like, I think that that story like exists without that. I hope. I would think so. If anything, I think that this whole thing and like this kind of continued conversation about cultural appropriation, whether it be in like food or like dress or music, whatever, just motivates me to learn more about mine and also to like talk to more of my friends who have grown up in other traditions because like there's a lot to learn there too. Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of like learning what you can from the community that you have. And so it's important to like understand that you have access to something and to use that as an opportunity to learn more. Yeah. Instead of like staying where I am in terms of what I know and yet being like, this is racist. Yeah. Or like passing judgment on something. Like I'm just reminded, Connie showed me this BuzzFeed video where it was like Chinese people try Panda Express for the first time and like the younger people were I mean there's specifically like this one dude but anyways they're very like dismissive of Panda Express because they're like oh it's so bad it's not what it's supposed to taste like whereas the older people yes they would be honest when it was just actually bad but they'd also be able to like see the merit in the food too and it just kind of goes to show like perspective really matters so that's all we have for this episode thanks for listening to our conversation as always We really appreciate all the support that we've been getting. Yeah, it's very encouraging. If you ever have anything you want to say to us, if you have us on like Facebook or you have our number or something, just like get in touch. But if not, then feel free to email us. You can email us at Janice at WNYU.org or Connie at WNYU.org. Yeah, or if you have like just any suggestions on like topics that you would be interested in hearing about, that'd be super cool. Or like questions that you have for us. Or if you want to be on the show. Oh, shoot. Like anything. At Hassan Minaj, at Tanfrance, (laughs) at Kumail. (laughs) This was But Where Are You Really From on 89.1 FM WNYU.